Welcome to Opt In with April Jasper. Relevant conversations about topics important to eye care providers today. Your eyes and your vision are under attack, damaging blue light from the sun. Your phone, your computer, your tablet, even light bulbs and car headlights is constantly bombarding you. The good news is our eyes actually already have a line of defense to counter the effects of blue light. This defense is made up of three pigments called carotenoids. MacuHealth with Micromicel, the only supplement with the exclusive patent on all three macular carotenoids and Micromicel technology. Hi everyone, we're back again and this is the Bonn Conference and I'm here today with Professor Riona Mulcahy. And I just wanna tell everybody that I really felt like it was a perfect opportunity for you to open the session here and it was just well done because it touched my heart. I don't know that I truly understood how the brain and the eye and nutrition applies to both, which I should, but I'm not in the field that, that all of you are in. And you brought it to life for me because you talked about patients that we see every day, and I'm not going to tell your story because I want you to, but you helped us to understand this as a story. So Professor, mm. before we get started, tell everybody about you okay. and your background. So I'm a clinical specialist from a geriatrician, so my first love is in older people. And while I deal with older people, then the main conditions I deal with are things like Alzheimer's disease, stroke, yeah. and Parkinson's disease. And one of the major advantages or the major successes in medicine is we're living longer. But because we're living longer, yeah. we have a huge increase in age-related diseases. Right. So I'm qualified 32 years now. So when I qualified first, there wouldn't have been all that many people in their 80s and 90s in the waiting room for your clinic. Wow. But now the average age is 85, 90, 95. So here's our challenge. The challenge is that it's great to live longer but you must live longer and well. And this is what this is all about, you know, trying to find ways to improve these age-related diseases and yeah. to make people live well into their older age. Absolutely. So mm. the presentation you gave, give us a little bit of the story of that and uh, the learnings that we all can take away from it. Okay, so Alzheimer's disease is incredibly common. It's the most common, what we call, neurodegenerative disease that we have, and that's where brain cells simply stop working in the way that they used to. And the prevalence, what I mean by prevalence, is the number of cases of Alzheimer's disease is increasing exponentially. In fact, it's doubling every 20 years. And, you know, to define Alzheimer's disease, it, it is really a, what we call a multi-domain condition. It affects your short-term memory, so you have progressive difficulty with your short-term memory, progressive difficulty with your everyday activities, and then perhaps changes in your mood and personality. And I talk about the story. So, you know, I have people with early Alzheimer's disease yeah. who very eloquently describe, you know, sometimes I can see words hanging in front of me and I just can't reach them. I can't say what I want to say. Or they might say, look, I know I recognize you now, or I know I recognize my husband now, but I also know a time will come where I can't, don't recognize them. Or they might say things like, I've just, you know, doing things like, it might be initially putting on the kettle or putting on your clothes. Wow. All of these familiar tasks, yeah. familiar learned tasks become more difficult. So it's really, it is such a huge impact on the person themselves. But yeah. then we must remember carers. So for every person with Alzheimer's disease, you have three or four other people who are, 
really immediately affected. And I don't mean financially, because that's one aspect, but I mean your whole life changes, your whole, the person that you perhaps are married to or love or your mother or your father, they change and they change over time, but in a way that they can't predict. They can't predict what yesterdays they keep, what yesterdays get deleted. They can't predict how their personality changes. So, you know, it has a huge personal impact and that's what I mean by the story. I think all, everything yeah. we do must try and improve that story for people and help people live better and longer. Well, you brought up how every one of us likely has been mm-hmm. impacted or mm-hmm. will be by someone who has mm-hmm. Alzheimer's or at least dementia. You brought up the difference between them and then we're going to get to the fact that you've got new and interesting information that's helpful and by the way, recently published or accepted to be published completely, which is Congratulations. great. Congratulations. Huge information. And I, I can tell you, David and I have been affected. My grandmother, uh, well, I watched as she was unable to remember many details of her life, most details. And we, uh, my aunts put together a book that would tell her the story of what happened to her husband, because almost every mm-hmm. day she would ask where he was. And so I think that as we look at the impact it has on us, it makes your research even more mm. important and life-changing. So tell us more about what you've discovered. Well, you know, I suppose to start, how common is it? So 30 to 40% of people aged over 80 have Alzheimer's disease. So it is extraordinarily com- common. And what you said there about writing a memoir book, because sometimes you can look at somebody with Alzheimer's disease and forget the person, forget the person in there. You see a condition, yeah. but it's, some, it's somebody living with Alzheimer's. It's not an Alzheimer's person. And there yeah. is a difference. So actually writing a book of memories is really important. So to, to come to my research, so really, you know, when we look at what has been done already for Alzheimer's yeah. disease, there's been a huge focus, you know, at government level and at health board level for, you know, pharmaceutical or for drug treatments of Alzheimer's disease. Right. And at best, to be honest, they're limited. Um, we have two, well, maybe three groups of drugs that are used. And at best, they may slow the progression for a short while. But their efficacy is really, or the, how they work is really very limited. So what we were very interested in, and that's how I became involved with John Nolan, is looking at the role of nutrition. So we know that you know, the eye is the window to the brain. And so John Nolan and his group have, have looked at, over time at the role of what we call carotenoids. And carotenoids are plant-based pigments. So if you eat brightly um, colored vegetables, you eat carotenoids. And so we knew that by increasing your carotenoid intake, by taking supplements, you can increase your vision and you can increase your what's called macular pigment, and that's very important for aspects of vision like contrast sensitivity. But then we know that those specific carotenoids are also present in the brain, in parts of the brain that are important for memory. So if they're sitting in the brain, they're sitting there for a reason. And it's really you know, based on lots of longitudinal studies. So we know that if you live in the Mediterranean and you eat brightly colored vegetables and fish and oil and whatever, there's less right. dementia. Or if wow. you live in Akinawa, the islands are you know, one of these blue zones the blue that zones. they talk about. Absolutely. <laughs> so blue zones have very plant-based diets and diets that are rich in vegetables. Now, they also have good genetics and do lots of exercise. But we know that in that adhering to that type of diet, you have less Alzheimer's or less dementia. So therefore, what are they doing that we can do? Yet right. it's very hard. If I was to say to you tomorrow morning, I want you to eat healthily. I want you to eat lots of vegetables and eat fish then you should say to me, well, how much of each should I eat? Right. And how often should I eat it? And whatever. <laughs> and that's really difficult. It's difficult if you're an older person trying to manage your diet doing that. So 
that's therein came the role of supplementing diet with the right amount of, of these specific nutrients. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about our research. So we started off by showing that people with Alzheimer's disease have low levels of carotenoids and low vision compared to somebody at the same age without Alzheimer's disease. And then we started giving this group of people and these specific carotenoids to see could we improve things for them. And we found we could improve you know, their vision and we could improve the level of carotenoids in the blood, but perhaps not their memory. And for that group of people, we had, we had um, chosen um, people with moderate Alzheimer's disease. So what we felt was that, in fact, we probably need to start a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. So we've done lots of research now giving a nutrient combination, which is carotenoids and fish oils, to people with normal memory, to people with mild memory problems, and then with people with, with early Alzheimer's disease. And it's been really gratifying because we've shown in that group of people we can actually improve memory and improve wow. aspects of memory. So improve working memory and improve episodic memory. So episodic wow. memory, we use all this terminology, but what does it actually mean? Episodic memory is remembering the event of yesterday. You know, So I went to the shop, I picked up a cake, I celebrated my birthday and I whatever. That There are episodes in your life, so your episodic memory can improve. So, you know, our, our research has been carried out in small groups of people, but we've shown statistically significant improvements in people with normal memory taking this, um, this formulation and also with mild cognitive impairment. But the most recent study called the REMIND study, which is what's just been accepted for publication, that was giving carotenoids or giving a nutritional supplement in what's called a double-blind placebo-controlled trial. So we had one group of um, patients who were on the nutritional intervention and one group that weren't on the nutritional intervention. And the patient didn't know what they were on and the investigator didn't know what they were on. So you can't in any way alter your results then. It's, it's really double-blinded. And what we found over the trial period, and remember this trial was carried out during a time of pandemic, so extraordinarily difficult, but our, our fantastic patients stuck with us. And what we found is that carers reported significant improvements in their loved one's mood and their wow. loved one's memory. And this was, you know, it was, it was just fantastic to see because it's a condition we really don't have a lot of interventions for. And wow. rather than just saying, change your diet or exercise more, we were able to say, well, look, if you take this specific formulation, there is a research base that it will improve memory. Now, you know, it's not going to make Alzheimer's go away. Right. That's the truth. It's not right. going to make it go away. But what you want is you want people to live longer and better and for their loved ones that they're living longer and better. Well, and we're hearing a lot about people continue, even in the classes that are still happening, to talk about how soon mm. should you start taking these supplements. And if you did start taking them earlier, might it have a greater impact? And, and there is there is the $100 million question, you know, when do you start? And you know, for example, in Ireland, we have what's called the TILDA study, which is a huge population longitudinal study. So they're starting looking at subjects aged 50 and following their health for years. And they give us really important information. So they were able to say, for example, um, lower macular pigment was associated with lower cognition or lower memory. Wow. The thing about a longitudinal study like that, though, is that there is no intervention. So it's, they can't give half the population one thing and another half. The so it gives us lots of information, but it doesn't give us an intervention. So th that's why this particular work is so important. Yes. It was this double blind. Now, it would be wonderful if we had more people in the trial. It would be wonderful if we could continue it for longer. 
But having said all of that, we got very statistically significant reported differences yes. in mood and memory. So, wow. so to come back to your question, when do you start? Yes. The bottom line is that changes in Alzheimer's disease um, happen at what we call cerebrospinal fluid level and at brain level long before you get um, reported symptoms. Long before, we, long before 10 so years? Probably 10 to 15 years, yeah. Okay. And we know that there's a number of processes involved. So there's inflammation and oxidative stress and these great big proteins, amyloid proteins and tau proteins that get deposited in the brain. And the way I like to describe that is if you could imagine traffic going up and down a motorway and it's traveling really nicely with no difficulty, but then you park a great big truck across the middle of the motorway, so that's your big protein, and all of a sudden you can't transfer that information or you can't go up and down that motorway quite yep, as quickly. Yep. Or you might take the diesel out of your car, so that's your neurochemical problem and the car simply won't go or the car may overheat, that's your inflammation or your whatever. So you have right. all of these processes happening in the brain. And you know, the, the part, the logical or the plausible thing to think would be probably the earlier you start, the better. Right. So clearly at, in childhood, we should be really emphasizing vegetables. And you know, as, as I say this, I'm a failed mother because my own children struggle with, with the vegetables. And you have Which, five children. And I have five <laughs> children and I have five children. But anyway, so, so some of them certainly struggle with vegetables. And they just, you know, when you're 16, you can't see, well, that might happen to no. me when I'm 70. It's not a link. It's not a You're link. not a failed yeah. mother. We're all in the same all, boat. I'm glad to hear it. I'm <laughs> glad to hear it. But without a doubt, you know, I think I think really emphasizing diet and yeah. exercise. And you've even obesity pandemic. It's not that yeah. we're not eating calories. We're eating the wrong calories. So yeah. getting that part right should be huge. Getting exercise right should be huge. But then when you're in your 30s, your brain starts to shrink. And when you're in your 60s, your brain shrinkage accelerates. So, you know, if you're thinking, okay, I am really good at eating fish and I'm really good at eating vegetables, but I'm perhaps not good enough, then I would be thinking about it certainly in my 40s and 50s. I love but, that you tell us, but why not 30? Well, that's just it. You see, why not 20 or why I, not I'm, 10? Yeah, you know, I mean, you what's can't. the harm? Seriously, what's the Well, harm? that is the wonderful thing about this particular intervention. So the carotenoids and fish oil um, supplement, as was used in this particular um, research, doesn't have adverse effects. So we have had no reported adverse effects. So you're giving, um, they're probably called potent anti-inflammatories. So you're giving um, a supplement. And remember, all degenerative diseases are inflammatory, really. So right. you're giving a supplement that, at worst at best will make you feel better, you know, or at worst will make right, you better. Right. So, you know, it's, it's not that you're giving, this is a nutritional intervention. Yeah. Well, my and concern is too, that I don't know what's going to happen. Let's just put me back to being 20 again. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's going to happen in my 30s, in my life, that's going to fast forward any of those negative things that could be part of my future. And but so what you do know is that um, minimizing associated risk factors. So, you know, Hypertension is the silent killer. Yep. Going to your general practitioner to make sure your blood pressure is good. Diabetes and cholesterol profile. It's really important to get all of these things right because all yeah. of these accumulated risks will contribute to developing Alzheimer's disease. Smoking is just an out-and-out -out disaster. Actually, we'd agree... Um, you talk should this say morning. that again. Smoking is... An out-and-out -out disaster. That sounded very Irish, <laughs> I love <didn't> it. it? 
<laughs> but we had a gentleman this morning who t said he was from Utah and that there's very little smoking in Utah. And I really wanted to say, well, how do you... I know, I heard that too. Yeah. Or do they do vaping in Utah? I'm uh. not sure. But anyway, so smoking is a disaster. Excess alcohol is a disaster. A glass of red wine is fine. Two? Perhaps also fine. Okay. Three, you're pushing it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just want to be clear for everyone who's listening. <laughs> so, you know, there are lots of modifiable risk factors. And 30 to 40% of your risk of developing Alzheimer's is lifestyle-based. So we can wow. modify 30 to 40%. Now, to date, we can't really modify our genetics. They talk about, you know, your genetic profile and choose your parents carefully. Yeah. On if your parents, if you do have a family history of Alzheimer's disease, it does increase your risk. Okay. And we do have genetic profile, this thing called your apo um, allele profile. So if you're what we call homozygous, or you have two um, E4 alleles in, as your apoprotein status, then it hugely increases your risk. As somebody said this morning, it's very bad luck. And it is very bad luck. You can't really modify that. But there are so many modifiable factors. Right. So again, in, in wow. the blue zones, they talk about your diet and their lower risk of Alzheimer's disease. But what we also found is that you can outrun your genetics. So for children who left Akinawa and moved and then started eating in McDonald's and smoking and drinking, their risk of Alzheimer's disease picked up just the same as everybody else. Wow. So, you know, you, you, a lot of it is in your control. But when you're in your... 70s it's not in your control wow. so now is the time to control it now is the time. oh man i feel like this has been so powerful so good mm -hmm. and i think you kind of gave us what we can do moving forward which mm -hmm. i appreciate can you speak to more detail i don't know that anybody knows like how much of any product was taken in the study okay so or even what kind I, i'm going to start by saying i advise everybody on diet and exercise is my first line. Okay. So exercising for 30 minutes a day to when you're you short of breath, but you can still speak sentences. So 30 okay. minutes most days of the week, which translates into six out of seven. Um, good diet and av avoiding things like excess alcohol, um, not smoking and minding your health. That's really okay. has to be first line. Then after that, specifically with regards to the intervention used in this trial, it, it used three carotenoids, and omega-3 fish oils. And the formulation is what's known as memory health. Um, so memory health formulation has the specific amounts of the nutrients that we used in Remind, and that's what I can speak to. And I think it's very important in health food shops in general, and this is globally a problem, there are lots of advertised products, but if you actually look to see what's in the products, it may not be as it says on the tin. And that's really yeah. difficult for people because it's a minefield. You go in and you think, well, I am getting what I need here, but perhaps you're not. So I can tell you what we used in our specific um, trial, which was memory health. Yeah, and we did just hear that from Dr. George Britton, mm. and he mentioned that his biggest concern with everything he's hearing here is that people might or could be doing their research with products that are not mm. what they say they are. Mm. And so I love that you said that. Memory Health is not a, it's a brand. So for anyone who's listening or watching, it's an actual brand that's sold in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And so that's what you need to look for. Mm. And then my final question, what's next? What's next? Um, so I work with John Nolan, and there's always, always a next step. I think we're dealing, you know, when we're dealing with degenerative conditions, yeah. we're dealing with the same process. So we're going to. There are many degenerative conditions out there, and we need to look at them in totality. But what we really would love would be a larger scale 
um, project like what we've just done. So we did a local project in the southeast of Ireland in a pandemic and really managed it very successfully because of the extraordinary challenges. And what we did find, which was great, is that first of all, um, patients were very good at taking the supplements. Um, This was the first double-blind placebo-controlled nutrition intervention trial of its type in Alzheimer's disease. So it was a small study, but really important. And you know, as all as I am always saying, you must stick with the science. So if the science can be reproduced in bigger numbers yeah. and elsewhere, all of the information, because you know we can only deal with true fact in science. If you start deviating from that, then you're losing the message. So stick with the science and healthy living. Oh, thank Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Professor. You are amazing. As I told you, I was just touched by the story and the way you brought it to life for all of us. And I'm so excited that we have something now we can do and we know the science says it's real. Well, thank you. Thank Thank you you for spending time with us. Not at all. Before neural lenses, I always had eye strain, eye dryness, eye fatigue, moderate to severe headaches. I had to take prescription medication. It was to the point where I guess they'd want me to sit down and color or read them books, and I couldn't. I couldn't do nothing. When I got my neural lenses, my headache went away. I wasn't taking Tylenol anymore. Can't explain it, but it worked. I would pay double for my neural lenses because I can't go a day without them. Welcome to Opt In with April Jasper. Dr. Jasper and her guests discuss hot topics, practice management tips, patient care moments, and vendor vignettes in this weekly podcast. Catch it simulcast on YouTube too.